What is up? It's the rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Thursday, August 5th. Ooh, interesting news, Philly Eagles fans. Are talks heating up for Deshaun Watson? Well, Chris Terpasso over at, e- at CBS uh, did have a tweet last night. It was kind of late last night, uh, around a- about 11 Eastern. Uh, he says, citing a source, talks are heating up between the Eagles and Texans on a Deshaun Watson trade. Still some hurdles to get over, but both sides attempting to come to an agreement. So let's talk about this, and also we're going to break down some uh, breakouts. One breakout from every NFC team. Of course, we did AFC teams yesterday on the podcast. This is not a typical source. I mean, you know, Chris has been around the block for a while here, but not a typical source uh, in terms of an insider. He's obviously not uh, Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport or... Uh, Pelissero or Lock and Four or any guy, anybody like that. However, it uh, certainly gained a lot of traction here. And the Eagles, of course, are a team who has been rumored to be very interested in Watson. However, uh, we also did have Aaron Wilson, who has covered the Texans for quite some time here, uh, saying that there's no trade imminent, no trade developing for Watson at this point. I think that makes a lot of sense, just given the overall uncertainty of his legal future. And and it isn't necessarily the civil suits that are the issue here. It's the potential criminal charges. So at, at this point, uh, there is pros- the potential prosecution. Uh, Watson's camp does believe that he could be, you know, the evidence could essentially be presented to a grand jury. And that could lead to an indictment on felony charges. It could. That is within the realm of possibility. Now, if he was indicted on a, a felony charge or multiple felony charges, the NFL would undoubtedly put him on commissioner's exempt, on paid leave. That hasn't happened yet, obviously, and, and he isn't on commissioner's exempt, but they the league did say, they didn't say, well, he's not going to be placed on it. They, they said they're going to continue to monitor the developments in the story, basically. In other words, he could certainly, you know, it could happen. Now, let's just say, and and this is hypothetical, but let's say that felony charges happened, you know, indictment happened, uh, and he was potentially convicted. If if that happens, you know, prison is a very real outcome. And so, uh, over a pro football talk, they talked about this, and they said that uh, citing a source. Uh, teams, here's the direct quote, teams have to wait to make sure jail isn't a possibility. That's the big concern. You know, if you're trading for Deshaun Watson, like let's say none of the legal issues are there, the Texans would probably get their asking price. If nothing, no no civil suits, no threat of felony charges or anything like that existed, they would get their asking price of three picks plus two starters. They would get it. They would get it. He's that good. Dude almost had 5,000 passing yards. Well, not almost, but he had over 4,800 passing yards last year. He's a dual-threat modern quarterback. He is a type of player who could put a team on his back and guide him to a championship. He's that guy. He, he certainly is on the field. But off the field now, if you are sending all of that, even if these are conditional picks, and this guy ends up with uh, you know a, a prison sentence which is within the realm of possibility, well, that really backfires. And, you know, you have to you have to consider risk if you're 
if you're an NFL team right now. So I I mean, I think well, there's obviously smoke here, and I think that the Eagles would be foolish to not be doing their due diligence. Uh, there's rumblings that the Panthers are doing their due diligence. There's rumblings that even Miami, although the the better Tua plays, the less that seems likely, but uh, that Miami is doing their due diligence, or Denver perhaps. But ultimately, I don't think a deal gets done until there's some sort of clarity here. So that's kind of where we are with that. I was making the rounds here over the last 12 hours or so. So that's my take on this situation based on, and I've been following it basically from day one here pretty closely, uh, both on this podcast and on my radio show on Sirius XM. So that's my take on everything. So let's dive into breakout players from the NFC, one player from every team, and the idea here. In some instances, these might be middle round or late round guys. In some instances, they may be just guys we're monitoring or guys that we like in in Dynasty, uh, but players who are poised to take that step forward. Now, it is challenging on the Dallas Cowboys because we'll start in the NFC East. You, you kind of you know what you have a Cooper, Lamb, Gallup, Zeke, even Pollard. I'm not going to say Pollard, Dak Prescott. So I will go with Blake Jarwin here. Last year was supposed to be the breakout year. We saw Dalton Schultz as a catch-and-fall-down type tight end do pretty well in this offense from a volume standpoint, and he will cannibalize a little bit from Jarwin, but I do like the athletic upside of Jarwin. I like Jarwin to take uh, that that step forward, make the leap this year for the Dallas Cowboys. Up next in New York, football Giants. And in this, you know, another similar situation where you kind of know what you have with a bunch of these guys. I don't think we're quite there with Kadarius Tony. I don't think the reps will be there. So let's do it. I, I don't love this one, but if I look at the the candidate to potentially break out, it is Daniel Jones. And I don't love that one. I will be clear about this, but he is the prime candidate to break out. He has two years really as a starter, basically almost two full seasons as a starter under his belt. He has the weapons in theory to do so. And by the way, Kenny Galladay, he's just fine. You got Saquon back. You have a pretty nice fleet of receivers. You have an improved offensive line that continues to get better and the mobility. So I do like him. If there is somebody on this roster to take that step forward, I do like Daniel Jones to do so. For the Eagles, (laughs) Jalen Hurts. Is it Jalen Hurts? I mean, it kind of has to be Jalen Hurts or Devontae Smith, right? I will actually go with Smith to break out. I think people are underestimating him. Yes, he's slight in build, but you know what? He's a dog, and he was, he was the Heisman Trophy winner for a reason last year. He was phenomenal. I think that translates very well here, and he'll be the Philly version of Stephon Diggs for this Eagles offense and Jalen Hurts. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break before we get to the Washington football team, uh, but that's a very interesting squad, so we'll talk about the football team after the break. Ah, Washington. A very intriguing set of weapons on this roster. You do have, obviously, Fitzy coming in under center. Logan Thomas already broke out last year. Terry McLaurin kind of broke out the year before. Is it going to be Calvin Harmon? Eh, no. I, I think the player to keep the, the eye on here, and I, I mean, Antonio Gibson already broke out, so it can't be him. Uh, I, I think Diami Brown is the probably the most interesting name here. North Carolina just had a bunch of athletes last year. He comes in from that that North Carolina team, has the ability to get downfield, and that's really the key. You know, when you think of, uh, all right, you, if you have Kelvin Harmon likely in the slot, Terry McLaurin out there, you have uh, Curtis Samuel as well. 
there might be uh, it might be a little challenging for Brown to get on the field at times, but he could also slide right into you know either the number four or possibly the number three role. He's not draftable in redraft leagues, but he is definitely somebody I want to get my hands on in dynasty leagues, uh, especially with that big play upside that he offers. So let's um, move on to the NFC North. We'll go to the Chicago Bears. Uh, it's Darnell Mooney. It's probably the most obvious answer. I mean, I guess you could say Cole Komet as well, but I, I think Darnell Mooney, once Justin Fields takes over, his ability to get downfield, make plays, use leverage that speed that he has, just so appealing, and he is very much in play as a late-round option this year. If you want to take a dart on some upside, you could certainly do a lot worse than Darnell Mooney. Over to Detroit. Of course, TJ Hawkinson broke out last year. And I, to a lesser extent, I'd say Swift broke out down the stretch. Uh, he wouldn't be the you know breakout. He's, he's going too early in drafts anyway. These guys really have to be middle or late round guys. So I'm going to go with the rookie Amon Ross St. Brown here. I love the skill set. I love the opportunity perhaps even more. And I love the fact that we're hearing Jared Goff working with him, teaching him some things that Cooper Cup was doing. So I could see some similarities between those guys on the football field too. So that makes a lot of sense. I don't think St. Brown is draftable right now because I don't think any Lions uh, wide receiver is draftable right now. But I am going to keep him on my watch list. And obviously he's a priority dynasty player as well. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers. And you have, you're very top-heavy on this roster, right? Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. I think a lot of people will really want me to say A.J. Dillon here, but I don't think the role is going to be quite large enough for A.J. Dillon. So I'm going to go off the beaten trail just a tick, and I'm going to go with Amari Rodgers. Now, Randall Cobb does figure to be atop the depth chart in the slot, but Randall Cobb, if he doesn't stay healthy could open up a prime opportunity for Rodgers. The kid is very skilled, out of Clemson, comes from a football pedigree, and has Aaron Rodgers thrown him the football. I mean, all of that really bodes well. Like I said, Cobb will be the slot receiver unless somehow Rodgers absolutely sets camp on fire. But Cobb's up there in age. Hasn't proven to stay healthy recently either. Uh, could be a nice little opportunity there. Minnesota, ooh, tricky. Minnesota's a very tricky one because, of course, Jefferson broke out already. Can't go with him. Adam Thielen, we're not going with him. Uh, we are not going with Dalvin Cook or, of course, with Kirk Cousins. So the obvious answer then, Irv Smith. He's getting some red zone work. I don't want to get too crazy with, with any tight end, so I'm not going to say that he's going to be the next elite tight end because that's just foolish. But could he break into the tight end ones? Yes, he could. It doesn't really take that much to do so. You could be a three for 32 guy. If you score six touchdowns, you're basically going to be a tight end one. So there's that. Just remember, those back end tight end ones are going to be really volatile. But Irv Smith does figure to take a step forward this year for Minnesota. Atlanta, well, it should be Kyle Pitts, but he's actually going just a bit too early by my definition to be technically like a breakout guy. Basically, everybody's expecting it. He's going in the fourth round now in 12-team leagues. So let's go deeper. And this one is, uh, I mean, this one's a product of opportunity on this step chart. Mike Davis is the guy there, and I'm not going to say him at you know age 29 breakout. How about Quadri Olison? Now, not a draftable guy. But would it surprise anybody if Mike Davis didn't keep the every down job for the entire season? I don't think so. 
you know, at this point in his career, I don't think so. So what you know would be a little bit surprising if Allison emerged as a viable fantasy option. He's somebody who I'd like to have stashed in dynasty leagues, but I am going to keep my eye on him in redraft uh, there. Moving on to the Carolina Panthers, uh, another team where you look at some of the guys at the top and, you know, all right, they've already broken out. DJ Moore has already broken out, etc. How about Terrace Marshall, though? Terrace Marshall comes in with, uh, you know, really coming off an impressive career at LSU, especially last year, had a really nice showing in the pre-draft process, falls because of medicals, but he's in a prime opportunity to be the number three receiver for this roster. I, I like taking a stab on him in the in the very, very late rounds of redraft leagues and certainly like having Terrace Marshall in dynasty formats. The New Orleans Saints, it is Adam Troutman. There's no doubt in my mind. Prime opportunity, especially as long as Michael Thomas is out early in the season. But even after that point, a prime opportunity for him to catch a whole bunch of passes. Because remember, Jared Cook is out of the mix. So he's the guy in his second year in this roster. Now, of course, some questions in terms of who is going to be under center for that team, and we're not quite there yet in terms of answering that question, but regardless of who's under center, it really doesn't matter to me. He's the guy. He is the prime breakout candidate. Tampa is really, you know, is another one that's really tricky, and I know this one's not going to be popular, and this is not a guy who I want to draft, but I'm going to go with O.J. Howard. Now, I know I might still be drinking the Kool-Aid here, but there's a reason why this team is kept him around. And yes, Gronk is there. Brait is there, of course. But O.J. Howard, a younger, still very athletic tight end who has had the opportunity now to learn with these guys, not to mention Tom Brady, not a draftable guy, but certainly a prime, keep your eye on this dude at, at, at a tricky position guy. Arizona, for me this year, it's going to be Rondale Moore. Uh, I, I think there's a prime opportunity with A.J. Green banged up, with Christian Kirk banged up, for Rondell Moore to just get on the field. And once he's on the field, super athletic kid, he's going to just basically say, no, I'm staying on the field and and give Arizona every single reason to keep him on the field. Uh, possibly somebody who could go in the late rounds, though I think probably better to just monitor him in our redraft leagues. Obviously, we want him in Dynasty. Los Angeles Rams, I'm going to go with Tyler Higby here, another tight end poised to take a big step forward. He's got Stafford there. Stafford worked obviously quite well with TJ Hawkinson, and Higby can be a big-time red zone presence for him. Hasn't quite gotten there. He did have a nice little stretch in 2019, but obviously last year was a disappointment. He is certainly also a post-type sleeper for me as well. San Francisco, it's Trey Sermon or Trey Lance. Either one of them is fine with me. Anybody named Trey in this offense is poised to break out. If I had to choose one, I'll go with Trey Lance because I do think he uh, he he bursts onto the fantasy scene and proves the naysayer is completely wrong. And he's already, you know, there's already so many things. Yes, okay, he's not the number one and Jimmy Garoppolo is, but there's already so much positive buzz for him that, uh, yeah, it sets up very well. There's a lot of smoke there. There's a lot of smoke. All right, rounding it out, Seattle is a little tricky because you you pretty much are top-heavy on this offense with guys who have already broken out. Anyway, but, uh, well, let's go with one more tight end here. Let's say Gerald Everett. He's getting positive buzz in this offense. We know that Russell Wilson historically likes to throw the tight ends, especially when you get down in the red zone, and Everett has never been in a situation where you know he could be the guy. Is he in that situation with Will Disley there? Maybe, maybe not. But I do like him as a late round option. If you're throwing a dart at a tight end in the late rounds, Gerald Everett. 
All right, that's going to wrap it up for the podcast today. Remember, head on over to ftnfantasy.com and use the promo code RATPACK. That'll get you a discount on everything we have to offer there to set you up for your fantasy football drafts. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. Use the hashtag RATPACK there to let me know you listen to this podcast. I see you guys sliding up into those DMs. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.